Welcome to the Get Heard with Ian Roth podcast, where it is our mission to enable leaders to effectively engage and motivate their audience through written and verbal communication. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Get Heard podcast. I'm your host, Ian Roth. And for today's episode, my guest is Nick Lozano. He's the co-host and co-founder of the Lead.exe podcast. He is currently in the technology world, and we discussed today how it's oftentimes difficult for those in the technology IT world who are right-brained analytical thinkers to have some soft, necessary interpersonal communication type skills. So Nick tells us some ways that we can work on our interpersonal communication skills, specifically for those IT type folks. But I mean, overall, Nick is just a a pretty cool guy. We talk about office space. We talk about the show Silicon Valley has a lot of awesome stuff to say, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Get Heard podcast. I have very special guest today, Nick Lozano. How you doing, Nick? Hey, good. How are you doing, Ian? I'm doing outstanding. So you're the co-host and co-founder of Lead.exe. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what you and Brian are doing with that podcast? Yeah, so uh, Brian and I have known each other for a number of years, and uh, in my day job, I run a uh, mastermind working group of CIOs. Um, so basically, a mastermind working group is just a bunch of people who get together and collectively talk about their problems and work through them together. And what we kind of noticed over time is that as technology is advancing, the CIO is being promoted to the, C- the CEO level, right? They're no longer just being the guy in the basement. Um, You know, boards and shareholders want these people who with more technical acumen to be elevated up to the CEO role. Um, Well, one of the things we have kind of noticed over time is that, you know, as technology individuals, very analytical, right-brained, a lot of times they don't spend a lot of time working on their soft skills. And I actually don't like calling them soft skills. I, I, I would rather call them more essential skills nowadays. And I'm sure you'd agree with me, Ian. <laughs> um, so our you know, thinking behind that, it was like, well, let's bring these ideas up that don't normally get talked about in a technology environment. Let's talk about EQ, emotional intelligence, uh, servant leadership, and the list just goes on and on. And we've talked to everybody from you know um, a major general in the Air Force to somebody who is a professional photographer. Um, we just a bunch of varied routes. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. No, that's awesome stuff, Nick. And just from our conversation earlier, you know, you have these crazy, crazy smart, right-brained analytical programmers, oftentimes the case, who are very, can be very introverted. And I can imagine would have a difficult time sometimes adapting to, you know, having interpersonal communication with others and, and showing some extroverted tendencies. Yeah, I mean that's that's always the kind of the thing, right? Um, some some IT folks, and it, it's when we talk about IT and technology, a lot of times that everyone goes back and they think about you know the help support desk because most people have experience with that um, if they've worked in a larger corporate environment, um, or if you went to college, you, you've probably dealt with the help desk, but. When you're dealing with people in IT, normally you're dealing with somebody who's very analytical, very right-brained, right? They're used to kind of being the smartest person in the room, especially if they're like a solutions architect or a business analyst um, or something along that lines. And 
you know, what they don't have a lot of times, um, in my experiences, this is, I can't speak for everybody, <laughs> but in my experience is that sometimes they suffer with just, you know, just basic communication, right? Being able to read nonverbal communication, um, you know, being able to read through what somebody's actually saying when they're saying it. And the, the other thing I would say is stopping and listening. Uh, at least I know for me too, and initially in the beginning of my career, I had a very hard time listening to people because I felt like they didn't understand my work, right? I think we've all sat in a meeting before, um, whether you worked in technology or not, and you're just thinking to yourself that these people don't understand what I'm trying to do or how this works. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just wasting time here because what they're saying can't be done. Instead of actually listening to the conversation to see what's being told or what's to hear what's being said. She's tripping over my words here. Um, so, so basically, you know, they're, they're used to being very analytical and the smartest person in the room uh, without, you know, the greatest amount of soft skills. So what are some things that we can help these folks with or, or have you seen some of these very analytical people open up and practice and work on and become better with their interpersonal or soft essential skills? Yeah, so I would say the the first thing is just listening, right? Um, it, it it's very difficult in, as a technology person. So let's take this from, you know, someone who's a business analyst role. Uh, business analyst comes in and you tell me you want to create a, a piece of software to do something. So the first thing I have to do is I have to sit down with you and have a conversation with you about what you do. So think of it like the office space thing, right? With the two bobs and they came in and they're like, so what is it you say you do around here? Um, so some of it is like when you come around in this area, this space as a business analyst, you have to start your interpersonal communication. You have to be able to have communication with people. And I feel like the easiest way to do is just listening. Just let people talk, whether you think what they're saying is correct or not. You just need to let them talk. Um, the, in my opinion, listening, that's the easiest way to get started. Listening is more often easier said than done. So, I mean, I'm sure you've seen many occurrences where you're talking to somebody and you're just getting head nods, not really paying attention, but they're kind of acting like they're listening. So I would think that being an active listener is what is really essential for this to be successful. Yeah, active listening's key, right? And that's that's in anything other than than just technology. I would say uh, that that's actually stopping to confirm what you're hearing is actually what's being said, right? How, how many time, times have we sat there in in meeting rooms and let someone talk, don't say anything, misunderstand them the whole time? Um, without asking for confirmation. Like, uh, hey, John, I heard you say that every time you come in, this doesn't work. Is that what you're saying? Um, is it is it because of something we've done? Um, so, so I would say, you know, active listening is a very important skill for you to have. Definitely. And so starting with listening, sitting down, listening, asking, confirming questions when someone's talking to you, what what would be a good next step after sitting down and listening? Yeah. So the, the next thing is, as you know, we develop our soft skills, a lot of times the developers and the IT people who wind up getting better soft skills almost always get pegged for leadership positions. Uh, and it's just because, you know, a lot of times some people who are highly skilled technically don't want to come out into the leadership realm, right? They want to stay a tactician. They like working with code. They like being analytical. And just like with any other um, 
you know, promotion and job to leadership position, you kind of move away from doing the work day to day to more or less directing and steering the ship um, instead of, you know, rowing it yourself. Uh, so I would say the things that kind of come on, come along is people have to start getting into like the servant leadership model, um, and just, you know, (laughs) working on their soft skills. I can imagine it's not too easy for someone who has been a very analytical tech right brained person, their whole professional lives to then, you know, who's only worrying about themselves or their program or piece of software project they're working on to having to lead other people. So I can imagine that'd be very difficult for someone, especially if they've never had to do that before. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's difficult, right? There's always a tendency, especially with us in technology that we always love playing with the newest, coolest technology, right? Um, What developer doesn't want to play with some piece of natural language processing software um, to create a custom app on their Alexa. So like, for example, for me, um, I live in Washington, DC. So the, the Metro, the Metro system here has a red, green, blue, and yellow line. So, you know, me naturally just being very technical, I wanted to know when the train was next yellow line train was. So I just wanted to ask Alexa when the next train was. So I went off and then, you know, I made that app, um, and put it on, on my Alexa. And some of that's just because, you know, I still have that need to want to to sit in there and be technical and to make things. It's almost like having a creative brain at the same time. You know, I still want to be creating things. So it's it's very difficult, um, you know, making that that transition, especially since, you know, we, we always kind of want to create on the back end. So what are some good natural ways to harness that creative energy into, you know, actually leading other people? I, I would assume they'd be in this situation leading other people who are like themselves, who are other programmers or IT folks? Yeah. I mean, creativity is a, a good thing. Um, the, the neat thing is as you climb up higher and higher in the levels of technology, you get exposed to more uh, silos of business other than technology. Um, so for example, the thing I do a lot more in my day job is I work with marketing teams more than I work with technology teams which is kind of interesting because as, as things have evolved, like if you think of Amazon, there's like all this marketing process automation, which is when you hit Amazon and you put something in your shopping cart and you don't buy it, it sends you an email and tells you, tells you to buy it. Right. So some of the creative process comes along there is marketing has an idea. They want to automate that. So then we get to go back to the team and say, okay, well, we have this idea. There's this abandoned shopping cart. Um, we don't want to lose business. This is what marketing wants and sales want, you know, to kind of funnel people the right way. How do we solve this problem? So as, as you come up more and more in the ranks, you get exposed to more silos of business, which allows you to kind of elaborate on your creativity. Um, and then you can bring, you know, these problem solving um, ideas down to, to lower levels and let them play with it. Um, Cause somebody who's more technical or more diverse down on the end um, might have a better idea to develop it. You're just kind of bringing them the giant vision and then asking them to execute. So you still get to be creative in a sense, but it's just, it's just like anything else. As the more you go up, the, le- the less uh, hands-on you are. Definitely. And, you know, we as a capitalistic society like to do that. If you're really, really good at your job, you're the best at your job, we're going to make you a leader, you know, overseeing other people that do that job. And sometimes that's not so much of a natural fit for people. 
They just want to stay at that, you know, doing the the fun stuff, programming the Alexa apps. That sounds fascinating, by the way. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I wish I had like half of the programming skill to do that. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this about programming. Um, I feel like there's a shift coming soon, right? You know, we're we're telling people to, you know, you need to understand programming. It's a language. What you, people really need to understand is just how programs interface with each other. Because as artificial intelligence is, is coming along, the need for a developer to write line-for-line code um, is actually not going to have to be there anymore. That we're already seeing lots of great tools. What it's They call them WYSIWYGs, which stands for what you see is what you get. So think of like Zap. I don't know if you've seen something like Zapier or if this, then that. Like, uh, let's say you want to plug in your Fitbit and have your Fitbit, you know, send all your information to my health mate. You can do that all by yourself. You don't need a developer to do that. So we're kind of seeing a trend as, as AI and, and um, artificial intelligence advances. You know, the, these technology people are going to have to have more of these soft skills um, because they're going to not be frontline coders quite as much anymore. That's a very good point. I, I have a little bit of experience with Zapier and I mean, it's crazy nowadays how something that probably 10 years ago would have a whole room or team or several teams to do something like that. Like every time my podcast gets published, I want it to be uploaded to my Twitter or my LinkedIn. And I just kind of do that on Zapier and it happens. I mean, it's like, and I know, I don't know the slightest about coding. So yeah, (laughs) I I I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, am I going to spend the time and learn how to do coding or just kind of wait until technology comes along? You know, it's you make a good point there. And exactly. And we're still going to always need those super technical people, right? Because somebody still has to make it. Just the need for them is not going to be as, as high in demand. Sure. We'll still need people to do the backend programming on Zapier so I can do the lazy <laughs> man's version of uh, to publish my podcast. Yeah, man. Absolutely. The uh, I wanted to ask you for when these analytical folks get promoted into leadership roles, have you seen any any issues or uncomfortableness if they have to get in front of a group and speak in front of a group? Oh, I think public speaking is tough for everybody, right? Um, I, I, I didn't struggle with that myself just because naturally, um, you know, I, I, I can talk a lot in general anyways. That's why I have a podcast because I can talk a lot. It's uh, a gift, man. It is. But it's, it's just like anything else, you know, like the, the highly technical people who sit in their corners with their headphones on sometimes do have um, some of the commission don't have quite as much the communication skills that you need, you know, to, to be a public speaker. And it needs to be worked on in general. I think one of the um, greatest things I heard somebody said to me, and it was one of my podcast guests, geez, man, I can't talk tonight, <laughs> Peter Margaritas. And um, he was telling me, how about improv? Um, is a great way to lead to public speaking. And I, ever since I had that conversation with him, I've actually been telling people to do that. And I'm going to go do it myself too as well. Uh, because it goes back through this whole idea of, you know, instead of, I, I don't know how familiar you are with improv in general. You've probably seen whose line it is anyway or something like that, right? I grew up with that show. Okay. Grew up with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you know, the whole premise of that with saying yes and instead of saying no, but. Um, so his whole approach to public speaking kind of takes the improv thing. It's like, okay, well, instead of coming up here with a script, 
you know, trying to sound, you know, presidential or, um, you know, like a CEO, you take the improv approach to it and you, you work with what the crowd's giving you. Um, it, and I really think it's a great idea to take it and shift it a different way instead of doing the Toastmasters, um, you know, very formal speaking set. Um, and, and I've kind of played with it a little bit myself and I've gotten to the point now where I don't even use slides when I speak publicly, um, just cause I don't, I don't like to do that. Definitely. And, you know, I, to, I know Toastmasters, a lot of people absolutely love it and I, I don't have a lot of experience with it, but just the kind of gist I got, it's more for those like almost like Ted talk kind of public speeches. Yeah, I've, I've, um, I haven't done it myself. I've, I have been to a Toastmasters and seen it done. Um, and the way they do it is, is actually pretty great. It's like, you know, they're going to clap for everybody every time. It's a confidence builder for sure. Um, I, I would recommend that if anyone gets in leadership role, Toastmasters is probably a good, good place to kind of start to get used to public speaking. Um, and the other thing I would say is just to public speak, right? That's the easiest way to get good at public speaking is just public speaking. <laughs> Maybe run a meeting with five people in it, um, and see how well you do. That that's some of the easiest ways you can do it, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. But I like what you said for the the improv mantra. You're not, whereas I think of, you know, you're doing a TED talk or something. It, it's a one way speech, one way communication. You're you're speaking to the crowd. You know what you're going to say, and regardless of the reactions that you get, you're going to say basically the same thing because you have more or less a memorized speech, give or take a couple words, you know, here or there, restricted to a time as opposed to the improv method where you're able, you're actively looking out, engaging the room, gauging the reactions that the listeners are having in real time and adjusting things accordingly, which I think is an absolute art. And man, I just love that show. So many, for so many reasons, it was like one of my favorite shows ever. I was just talking about somebody uh, at work about it yesterday and like, man, that was, it makes me feel so old too. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, and, when he was telling me this approach and, you know, improv is all about storytelling. Right. And I feel like to get, be good at public speaking or peaking, speaking publicly at all in general is just become a good storyteller. Right. Um, there's something about, you know, they always say somebody has the gift of the gab. Right. But when you think about that, that's always just somebody who's normally really good at telling stories, really good at delivering a punchline, and really good at keeping people engaged because they can kind of read what somebody's doing. Um, so I've started playing with that uh, myself too. So I, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, he recommended that I take an improv class, and I'm gonna take him up on it, and I'm gonna actually do it. That is awesome, man. I want, I'm gonna hear your thoughts after you complete the course because I think you're gonna get some awesome stuff out of it. Yeah. And I mean, and so Peter Margarita is who I had on my show too. And he's actually taken that yes and thing and reformulated it into like a leadership component. Right. So he gets people together in a room and he's like, let's think of a crazy idea. And he's like, anytime somebody says a crazy idea, we're not going to say no, we're going to say yes. And we're going to take that. We're going to reframe our mind from saying no, you know, because people like to say no all the time, right? When you think about it, you're sitting in a business meeting or, or whatever team meeting. And the, the instant thing people want to say is, oh, no, we can't do that. We couldn't possibly do that. Well, this flips it around. It's like, okay, well, yes, we can do that. Let me hear more about that. And how can I help you do that instead of saying no? 
So his whole thing is like, instead of saying no, but you want to say yes. And one of my leaders in my organization, part of his leadership philosophy, and he had it written down and talked to all of us about it was find a way to yes, which I think is so important. And, you know, somebody is asking you to do something extremely huge that maybe you don't have the capability to do. You can say, I can't do that, but here's what I can do. You know, I can I can't do the 100% right now for whatever reason, but I can do, I have a 70% solution I can do right now as we work towards the 100%. No, yeah, that's that's almost the exact same mentality, um, except for he takes it to, you know, we'll, we'll do the spinal tap reference. He takes it to 11. <laughs> Doesn't it just goes to 10? No, no, this one goes to 11. <laughs> See, exactly. Great. See, you get that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> that gives it just that little extra. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciated the two Bobs reference because that's one of my all-time favorite movies also. Hey, you know, I was talking to a coworker the other day and I, I brought up an office space because we had a problem with, a, you know, like one of these big multifunction printers that everyone has at their huge office. And I was like, oh, we have to take it out back and do an office space on it. And he goes, a what? <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I don't know how to explain PC this. load letter error. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I, you know, I don't know how to explain this. I just, I'm sure it's on Netflix. Just go watch it. I, I made an office space joke around some of my guys, and these people were born in like 1999. Like, oh my gosh, that makes oh, me feel man. old too. They, they've like never even heard of office space. You guys need to get some culture and go watch some cult 90s movies. There you go. <laughs> it's like, I remember seeing that in the movie theater, and it was like me and like, I don't know, half a dozen people or something. It wasn't that popular when it was in the theater, but. Um, it's an epic one and anyone for an it and in the the startup space i always say silicon valley um just parodies that so well and that's that's the same creator yeah the show that show's phenomenal and they yeah, it's well written hilarious and uh i see a lot of what i think is a lot of realities in there you know if you were in oh, silicon yeah. valley in that space there's this whole thing in, in that thing about tabs and spaces so when you write lines of code um, we're getting we're getting super technical here on your leadership podcast, but uh, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this whole thing about tap. So when you write code, right, you're trying to minimize the amount of space you use for anything. So when you format your code, you do it in like a structure, like think of it like a sentence, right? So it's easy for someone to read. Imagine how hard it would be to pick up a piece of paper and read it if somebody wrote it all on one line on Word, right? all the way across writing a whole paragraph and you could, it's very hard to read and understand so you have to put spaces and line breaks in there and then so there's always this thing is that you know with tab is a certain number of space bar pushes when you hit tab right and then the other thing is space bar so some people like to do space bar so they put the characters in so that's three three space bars so that's three characters and then if someone hits tab, that's one character. But it takes up the same amount of space. There's no difference between the two. But there's always that conflicting thing about tabs and spaces. Um, it's just one of those weird things that that they did on Silicon Valley and just just nailed it perfectly where you'd have an existential you know, conversation with somebody. Uh, and it's about something that doesn't really matter. But <laughs> So I watched that show and that went completely over my head, I'm sure, when I watched it because I don't even remember what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's, <laughs> it's just one of those things. And like he's, he's, and he broke up with that girl over the tabs and spaces thing because he, he uses tab and she uses space bar. Um, so, and he, could, he just couldn't handle it, so he broke up with her. But 
That's almost along the lines of like I'm a I'm a Trekkie and my girlfriend like Star Wars or something. That's oh yeah yeah that yeah yeah which I'm sure has has happened before. Oh yeah, I've, I've, I've been a fan of both. Um, I get growing up when I was a kid, I was more of a Trekkie. Um, but then as I got older, I got more into Star Wars. Um, but you know they're they're still both they're both good things, good programs, man, good sci-fi. The uh, so going back into because I, I could talk about awesome movies all day, but as far as telling a story when communicating in front of a group of people, it, it is an art and, and the gift of gab, like you said, I mean, it's something mm-hmm. that you need to be self-aware with something you need to work on continuously. And, and who are some other people and, and what do they do when they speak in relation to storytelling that makes them effective communicators? Yeah, I think storytelling is just practicing, right? Um, one of the interesting things I heard about comedians in general, and I don't know why I'm going down the comedian route, but I just always think of you know comedians, you know, especially stand-up comedians or improvs are really good at delivering and communicating. Um, but but it just goes. I heard this one thing that when people go in to learn improv, generally you would think you know someone who was a class clown and was funny all the time would be the best person for improv. But the but the thing that I've learned is that they're actually not because they're harder to teach (laughs) because they're already kind of starting with a base somewhere um, where they can instantly take somebody who's never done improv, never done any type of comedy, and they can instantly, um, you know, bring them into uh, being funnier when it comes to improv because it's all about storytelling. And the thing I've heard about storytelling before that was taught to me, it's like you take a story and then you just make it a little bit crazy, right? <laughs> so you expand on it a little bit so that it's slightly funny so that people remember you and, and are engaged. And the one guy who was telling me about this, he, he said he's known as the mother-in-law guy whenever he goes to speak somewhere. It's not because necessarily that people don't remember his talk, but they can instantly identify with him because he told some short story related to his mother-in-law um, that makes people instantly engaged with what he's what he's talking about. Uh, so I, I think just you know just working on your storytelling in general, maybe in small groups with your family, is a good way to slowly get better at it. It's kind of like exposure therapy, right? Maybe you start telling stories to two of your friends, then you do three, and then you tell a story at work, and then maybe you give a presentation, you know, with the data you have and tell a story behind it. Um, see if you can make it, you know, entertaining somehow. Do you have any favorite stand-up comedians? Just throwing that out there that you, you know, are big fans of or admire for their just charisma and more importantly, their hilariousness. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I think when we, we talk about comedians, it's got to be Wayne Brady. Um, just all around talented individual. Um, and he's very good at just speaking in general he's a very well put together entertainer yeah and it's so funny like i said we were talking about whose line is it anyway on friday at work and we're going through everybody calm mockery ryan styles chip Mm -hmm. and then wayne brady and it's just like man wayne was just absolutely the whole talented package i mean he could sing he -hmm. was hilarious he could dance and then i think he had a talk show shortly after whose line uh ended and i don't know what the guy's up to today but he's incredible I mean, he was just a great storyteller, right? They could give him any scenario and then you just instantly believed him. 
which is that that art of storytelling, right? Being able to tell a story. So anything else related to, you know, technical people and interpersonal communication we didn't hit on? No, I think I think that's, um, you know, the big basis is that people kind of get promoted for their technical prowess, um, not necessarily their leadership skills, which is what happens with everything. I mean, I imagine you see that even in your day job. The best performer gets promoted, but that's not always the best leader. Uh, but <laughs> I would say, you know, as as AI comes along and the need to be super technical is not going to be there quite as much anymore, that these essential skills are going to be what what they need to work on. And I think, I mean, I think Silicon Valley, the show, is a good example of some of that. You have a, a group of, I don't know if it's five or so guys brilliant programmers come up with this awesome app, mm -hmm. but none of them know how to run a business or kind of interact and do all that other stuff. So they, you know, they bring in some people to help run the business and yeah, I mean, it, it's extremely, extremely important to have some interpersonal skills. And if you're in that field where you're right brained analytical, just something to be conscious of and continue to work at and strive to get better every day and throughout your career. Yeah. I think it's practice like, like, I mean, I keep saying practice like I'm Allen Iverson, right? Practice, talking about practice. But but I, I think it's just a matter of that. I I had um, this CTO of, of this, you know, fairly large startup company come uh, speak at this event I was at. And he was just not very well spoken. You know, he, he came up and he threw his slides up and it's like his slides were highly well designed. You know, like some marketing department put them together for him because... He's a programmer. Come on, we're not designers. <laughs> if we design anything, we just put shapes where they're supposed to go. Um, but you know, his delivery wasn't that great. But then when he stopped that and did his Q and A, he was outstanding. And I was like, well, where was this guy the whole time during his presentation? Um, and like, I think some of that's just practice. You know, public speaking instead of you know just staring down at one person, looking and engaging with the room, you know, maybe finding three or four people scattered through the audience that you connect with, but then you're still motioning around. Um, but, but like I said, it's like Alan Iverson, it's just practice. Um, you know, most people have it within them. They just got to practice it. And it, it is extremely important to work at being well-spoken because you can be the smartest person in the world. And if you get up in front of a group or are just trying to communicate to someone and have zero communication skills, all that great stuff in your brain is, is pretty much meaningless if you're a leader and can't get that out to your team. Exactly. And I'm, I'm super guilty of, of the filler words, the ums, the ahs, the ends. <laughs> um, so that's, that's even a daily occurrence struggle with me, even as a, as a podcaster. Um, I, I've actually taken an approach where I don't edit those out at all. Uh, I just, it, it's one of those things where if I have to then transcribe that and put it in a transcription, I'm like, oh, well, I need to work on, on that word. And it's really weird when, when you public speak, at least I noticed for me, especially when I started podcasting, I started transcribing everything I was saying. I said the word awesome all the time for some reason. And I don't know why I was like, that is just not part of my lexicon or vernacular. Like, I don't know why I was saying that. So I would talk to somebody and ask them a question like, oh, awesome. <laughs> and then I keep going, you know, oh, so why'd you do that? Oh, awesome. It's just one of those things. Like if you record yourself, you can probably catch yourself doing that easier than sitting from the outside. You know, 
sitting in the room just thinking about, oh, okay, I did good. A lot of people say, absolutely. Like you ask them a question and their response is absolutely. And then they go into whatever their point is. Or it's everybody tells me. <laughs> that's Exactly. That's yes. the other one I've seen. Everybody tells me, everybody, are you sure everybody? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a very literal person. And when people speak in absolutes or, or use literally to me, I'm like, really everybody? <laughs> but you, but, uh, you hate absolutes. I hate absolutes so much. I had an episode episode that said, never speak in absolutes. And I can't stand when people speak in absolutes. It drives me nuts. Oh, yeah. And I see it all the time, especially in like social media or something. Um, and I seen a, saw this guy on LinkedIn today and he'd put a quote up there and it said, you know, 100% of jobs will be changed by, by AI. I was like, how can you say 100%? Like, I was like, even a statistician wouldn't come here and say, no, we can't say 100%. Well, we can say like 99.99998 or something. Uh, so just, just things like that with math get me too. Uh, just, yeah, agreed. Or just say most, you know, like I, I get get what you're saying. Most jobs, okay. Most, yeah, most probably jobs. More, it's, <laughs> yeah. Greater than 51% or greater, great. Something like that. But yeah, no. never, I never do that or always this always happens like really i can remember a time where that didn't happen so right there yeah i agree with you i'm such a literal person too and that just drives me nuts yeah and it's it what even drives me more is that literally doesn't even mean literally anymore it doesn't <laughs> like, you're right i'm just like i guess like i can't handle this and my, my wife she's an attorney and she's like oh no i, I she's like i just can't stand it <laughs> i was like okay well at least we're, we're over here grieving on that together uh just, good Literally, I'm like, that's a coma or something. That's, that's not I, a nap. I literally died. I yeah. literally died. Yeah, literally died. Or, or that's the yeah. other one on the internet, right? My head literally exploded. Oh, well, I'll go I'll call you an ambulance. Where where are you? Shoot, yeah. I don't know. An ambulance will do anything at that point. Yeah, exactly. But there's, uh, if you ever heard the Weird Al song called Word Crimes. Yep, yep. Love Weird Spot Al Spot on, too. man. Yep. It's, yeah, well, I'm a huge Weird Al fan, but like, Absolutely. That like that song hits all of them. And it's just so great that I mean, he's a huge nerd and extremely intelligent. And like, I, I can appreciate Weird Al, man. I mean, you went from you did Eat It back in the 80s, Amish Paradise and Word Crimes. So true and so so relevant in today's lazy vernacular grammar that we use. But it's, it's we just go back to its practice again, right? Attention to detail. Um, and I, I guess one of the things I always do as a leader, too, is I do a fail fest, right? And in technology, everyone has messed something up. I don't care how new you are or how long you've been in the business. If somebody tells you they haven't messed something up, they're, they're lying to you. Uh, I, I remember a time I've deleted a whole database table of production users. So this is like, think of it like an Excel spreadsheet with people's information who use a product to log into something. And I mistakenly deleted that whole table of people so that they didn't exist and they couldn't log into anything. Tripped over an internet cable, took the office internet down for you know 45 minutes because I tripped over a cable. <laughs> so I always like to tell my people the stupid things I've done because you know I'm, I'm not worried about them making mistakes because I've probably already done it. You know, I've, I've been the guy who's turned a server off and said, what does this do? <laughs> And then, you know, 10 seconds later, someone's run into the room like, how did you like this mainframe servers down? Like, what the hell's going on? Uh, so uh, that's just one of my little leadership tidbits. I, I just always like to, you know, tell people about the things I've messed up. 
Definitely. It makes you more relatable too for your team. You know, I mean, it's like, wow, boss, boss did some dumb stuff too, just like I did. So, you know, I can, it kind of builds more of a connection and relatability there. Yeah. And it, and, and it goes back to, you always get those bosses too, or like, oh, I never mess anything up. But like, there are someone using absolutes again. I'm like, really? Never? Really? You know? Uh, it's just, just one of those things that drives me crazy absolutes again. But I, you know, it's just that that vulnerability, right? I th- I feel like part of being a leader is being vulnerable with your people, letting them know that you're human and you're expecting them, you know, to be human as well too. And mistakes come when you're human. Well, uh, Nick, that wraps up everything I wanted to hit on and more. I mean, man, you like Weird Al, Office Space, Star Wars, all that other good stuff. So, where can people find out more about what you're doing online? website, social media, where should, uh, where would you like to direct them? Sure. So my social media, I'm mainly on LinkedIn. Uh, I accept a connection request from everybody, which has been fun and interesting. I don't know if you do that, <laughs> but um, can't tell you how many times somebody's tried to sell me Bitcoin. Um, but, but I'm on there. Uh, I don't have a fancy link because there's like, you know, like a thousand other Nick Lozano's. So I'll, I'll shoot you the link and we can put it in the show notes or something. And then uh, the podcast is leadexe.com, L-E-A-D-E-X-E.com. And you can get to all of our other channels for podcasting for that. And we'll be in Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, um, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever else you can find podcasts, you can find it. Awesome, Nick. It was a pleasure to have you on the show, man. And thank you so much. No, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Get Heard Podcast. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and I am so grateful that you chose to give me your time to listen to this episode. Please check out the show notes for a summary of what Nick and I talked about on this week's episode, and please go to my website, getheardpodcast.com, to find out the latest and greatest of everything I'm doing, and I'll talk to you guys next time.